After running the Medusa General Store they went to as children, April Caprio and her husband Jason still have questions about how to bring vitality to a rural hamlet like theirs. They opened the general store in southwestern Albany County five years ago. Having closed the store in December, the family is setting out on the road in a 1976 RV fitted with bunk beds for their children, of which they have six. This is Marcello Yaya for the Altamont Enterprise. Before they set off, I talked to April Caprio about their road trip. We talked in the Enterprise print shop. She referred to what's known as the global transition movement, which, like Caprio's endeavors over the years, looks for ways that small local communities can face large and global issues. She emailed later to say that, in fact, her children don't have strong opinions about whether other students should be homeschooled, and she said they're heading south through Pennsylvania before turning west when they hit the south. Our experience in Medusa has led us to be very concerned about the, the degree of resiliency that our communities have. I think I've spoken to you before and you've written some interesting articles in the Enterprise about the state of the economy in the hill towns. Our perspective is that it hasn't, it hasn't changed much and I don't anticipate things getting much better. So in addition to that, we're, you know, we're interested in, in figuring out if there are other communities out there who have struggled with the questions of, of rural resiliency, um, some of the big issues like climate change and peak oil and um, these, these dramatic uh, examples of income, income inequality in our country. Um, maybe there are, you know, I've, I've been speaking with some other folks lately. We've been trying to um, find some places to visit. Jason, can I hand her to her? And so we've, we've spoken with some leaders in the transition movement who have been kind of helpful, and they've uh, suggested some places to go. Um, I spoke with a guy from USDA earlier in the week. Unfortunately, I think that um, we're a whole lot less optimistic than we may have been um, several years ago. If you know, when we when you consider whether we're going to find places that have struggled with these big questions and actually found answers, but um, lately, I I think Jason and I have come to the conclusion that because we were um, raised white and upper middle class and in, in you know this this upstate New York region we have this sort of arrogance that it's going to get better. And there has to be places out there that um, are doing better than the Hilltowns, and we're going to find them. We're going out to look. And could you tell me more about um, how you grew up and just your history? And I mean, was there a time when you feel like you fell in love with a rural way of living? We, we both grew up in Medusa, um, so it's it's always been our hometown, as sentimentalish as that kind of sounds. So I think that's why we we've always returned to places in the hill towns because it you know your hometown always feels a bit special to you that you know in addition to um, doing you know cool stuff everywhere else it's always somewhat comforting to come back to a place like that. Um, I grew up in horse barns and whatnot all across the capital district region, as did my sisters. So we have, um, you know, we raised horses and hay and lots of things in, uh, you know, Albany County, right, in Medusa. And Jason has a very similar history in that his, his mom also raised horses. And um, we, were, we were always kind of country kids to that, in that regard. For, you know, people who may not know or who may not understand... Um, could you explain what you were doing with the general store and, and you know, what you were trying to do and why you closed? 
Um, I think our goal from the beginning was to was to reopen what was a cornerstone of our community. It was always a general store, and it had passed through a number of hands uh, before it got to ours, and um, the last of which was Albany County had been holding it for taxation. And um, so we, we purchased it from Albany County, and I think our hope has always been that it would regain its stature as a cornerstone of the community, and I think we did that. I think that these last five years we are incredibly proud of, and we wouldn't ever regret your take back or anything like that. We've, we've had a blast, and um, it, we absolutely adore the community that we grew up in and that we got to know again very intimately. Um, it's also incredibly hard and challenging service to your community to open a general store and to to, to keep it going. Um, and I think that took a toll on us after a while that we really, we were hoping that someone else would kind of come <laughs> up here and say, okay, well, you've done your, um, your trek with this and it's, it's, you know, it's time for someone else to take the reins. Um, and we've we've even we've even uh, talked with some folks at the Cooperative Development Institute up in New Hampshire, who um, we were trying to figure out if it would be doable to create a community-run store in the Hilltowns. Um, and their perspective is that we would have to it would have to be a much larger um, enterprise than what we're doing. Um, but you know, there's we we've discovered there's a bunch of rural community groceries out in Montana who have managed to um, make them uh, community grocery stores again and, and whatnot. So, so we're hopeful. I think that there's maybe a model out there that that we can find that will be sustainable over the long term. And it's always possible, you know, to to either find someone who wants to lease the store, or we, you know, we've talked back and forth about figuring out how to reopen it again and as maybe a smaller. <laughs> a smaller thing that wouldn't um, so completely infiltrate our lives that there wasn't any time left for anything else. Um, so, you know, there's lots of ideas for that. We adore Medusa. It's, it's our home. So, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. There's lots of opportunities ahead. What do you, do you have any expectations uh, about what you're going to find when you go out? You know, um, it kind of depends on the day. It's been a bit of a down week, I'll tell you, but um, we... We are really hoping that there are folks out there who are struggling with the same questions that we are, that are maybe a couple of steps further down the line. And if not, I'm this huge believer in, in being able to share stories. And there's actually um, a researcher out in, I think it's Washington State, who's offered to meet with us, who has this organization called the New Stories Group and the New Stories Organization. Um, and we've, we've, you know, we've talked about this a lot within our community, that if you can change the narrative, um, you can really change your future. And, you know, we have a lot of these bizarre collective accounts of, of what the Hilltowns are and, and who we are as a people. Um, and perhaps we just don't have the opportunity to revisit those stories enough um, and, and tell them maybe in a different way or, or allow people to, you know, daydream bigger things. Well, when you meet people in Arizona or Washington, can you tell me what you think you might tell them in terms of what your story is? If you that, um, well, I think there's a story of uh, uh, my, my family and I. Um, I think there's a separate story of the Hilltowns, too, and those are two maybe linked stories, but maybe not. Um, <laughs> we're going to take your printing machines apart. <laughs> um, 
you know, yeah. our story is that we're we are um, we're explorers, and we've tried lots of different things. Um, the latest of which was the general store. Um, we we love the idea of traveling, and I think that you know you have to have a a vision, and our vision is is one that. You know, we have great hope for the future ahead, but I also have deep concerns about the state of the planet and the state of our local economy and how that fits in with our the larger picture. The Hilltown story is is one that I think is replicated throughout the country. I think that it was, you know, we've become a bedroom community of a large metropolitan area. We don't have an awful lot of jobs. Um, and when we, we sort of struggle to find jobs, there aren't a whole lot of... of um, I've spoken with lots of government officials, for example, um, not the least of which was... was um, I've cited your article in the past with the Capital District Regional Planning Commission director who have said, there's just not enough people up there, and guess what? The population's going down, so I don't know what we should do up there. Um, Albany, the Albany County Executive's Office came down and met with us and um, were very supportive and sort of said, we don't really have ideas, though. You're going to have to come up with some ideas to share with us. So, you know, the Hilltown story is one that's pretty in, insidious, and I think it's it's sort of replicated everywhere. Um, I'm hoping that'll change. Maybe there'll be some sort of, you know, maybe transition will encourage um, more local-level economic development. Maybe it'll embrace green development and sustainability. If it doesn't, um, you know, the, the, the future is, is, is sort of... <laughs> Is sort of coming no matter what. So, you you referred to a connection between the local economy and the hill towns and that. I wonder if you could just explain that further. Um, I think that it isn't too naive to say that um, there were times when we had hamlets and villages. Um, Altamont was recently cited as an interesting example that held things like butchers and bakers and candlestick makers. Um, I don't know if the future will necessarily look like that, but I do know that it would be um, very useful to lots of folks in our local region if we had thriving hamlets again that were able to support things like butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers, and um, lots of local business, and it be vibrant again. Um, I think the impacts of peak oil and climate change suggests that our economy is at this point where um, small interruptions can lead to very disastrous consequences. So we can either be prepared for um, some of the un unpredictable nature of climate change and the fact that we're not always going to have, um, you know, former dinosaurs to suck up out of the ground and use for energy, um, or we choose not to be prepared. And I think you know, the hill towns are well-placed and that we still have lots of, um, you know, old families in the, in the region who do things like can, and we know what, what, what survival means. Um, that's sort of bare minimum, though. I mean, wouldn't it be better if we know we're facing huge changes to come, that, that we, we prepare in a way that'll build thriving, prosperous communities instead of ones that are, are able to survive? You know, you talked about Medusa. Could you describe the state of Medusa or just individuals there to, to help me or people better understand what you're talking about? Um, sure. I think a, mo a whole, whole bunch of the people who live in our village now are um, commuters somewhere else. Um, us, I'd say 
similar to what you'll find in Preston Hollow, um, similar to what you'll, you'll find in Rensselaerville. It tends to be a very eclectic mix of folks who are um, middle to upper middle income. Um, and then those folks that have always been fairly blue collar, um, you know, families who have always done really well, that it's a community where you can patch together lots of income and from lots of different areas and do fine. Um, that's not so anymore. There's, there's significantly less to go around. So I think I mentioned to you last year, so when our, all of our electric bills doubled last spring, I had folks coming to our store, like in tears, and April, I have no idea what we are going to do. I mean, we cannot absorb bills like this all of a sudden, um, month after month after month. So, um, you know, I think that, that, I don't know if this is true or not, perhaps Albany is um, sharing fewer jobs with we in the rural hinterlands these days. I think it's also possible that... Um, the folks that are moving onto the hill uh, are not the old farm families that used to be there. So we have lots more um, homes being stuck in the middle of hayfields that aren't necessarily part of our community. Um, from a social perspective, from an economic perspective, they're not farming anymore. Um, it's it's so it's you know it's akin to a lot of the the, the difficulties first faced by suburban areas. We haven't dealt with that really. But I know I know you going out on the road looking for answers and stories, but I wonder if you have ideas or advice for people who live in rural areas for how, just in a daily life way, they might um, get toward the things that you're talking about. I wish I did. I mean, part of the problem um, that we face is that, no, I, 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 I don't think that there are a whole lot of models to, to look towards. Uh, we're working with the Annam Earth Center in Clarksville. Um, Meg and Rob Breen run this wonderful um, center. They have been trying to focus on things like homesteading uh, um, and um, you know, strategies that, that might broad, broaden the, the perspective on um, social capital. And, but no, no, I mean, my biggest issue all along is that, wow, if you wanna do urban sustainability you know, projects, there are lists and lists of amazing, creative, innovative things to do to encourage urban sustainability. When it comes to what to do um, if you're in a rural area, I think that there are very few models to look to. How sad is that? You know? Um, but on the other hand, and I've told people this um, numerous times, that this gives us this tremendous opportunity to build a model. So we're going to figure out how to... Um, make what used to be farmland and, and um, with, with sparsely, you know, um, hamlets strewn sort of throughout that used to be functioning places, we have to figure out how to do that again. Or we're going to have to sort of shrug and say, you know, and I've asked this very question, are we relevant? Should we continue to um, struggle in places like the hill towns to, to be something more than bedroom communities? You see, I, I had assumed that your... Um perspective or your principle where you're coming from is starting from the idea that Medusa and places like it are great places to live. And, sure, and but we have to be able to eat. We should, that's what I'm saying. I thought yeah. you were starting with the idea that we are relevant, therefore we should take these steps to build I, I think that, um, I think that you have to, you have to keep revisiting the question. And, you know, this is, this is really a decades-old question at this point. Um, I'm not sure if you'd remember this group, because I don't remember when you joined the Enterprise, but 
I was also one of the founding members of Friends of the Heldebergs back when we used to do that. And this was folks like Gary Clapel who was part of this. Um, Sandy Gordon was part of that group. I think Kevin Crozier was part of that group. Um, and, you know, we had very serious conversations about, do you let certain hamlets just cease to exist? Is there any point in continuing to pretend like this is um, ever going to be a vibrant economic corner again. Um, and I don't think that's a terrible thing. You know, I mean, you can love a place without saying it's never going to change. Altamont didn't look like this when I was growing up. You know, I mean, Altamont has now been held up as an example of what, um, you know, a downtown can look like in a small village, you know, and it looks fantastic. Um, I don't think that's the case with lots of the, the rural hamlets. And I don't know if, if, um, if it necessarily is in their future. What role do you think urban or suburban areas or people have to play in, in this at all? Um, you know, I, we've looked at them a lot uh, towards urban models as ways of, um, as, as places where we can ad adapt cool things and place them in rural areas. Obviously that doesn't work tremendously well, but there's a lot of energy that tends to be there because there's a whole lot more people. Um, you know, it kind of depends on what you're talking about. It means sociologically, you know, I think there's a lot of folks who have lived in suburban areas who yearn to be more in the in the sort of rural places. And this has been written about for the last, um, we've come up with like four different articles over the last several months who keep saying things like small families, young families, millennials want to be somewhere. It's either like an Ithaca, you know, which is this vibrant um, very hip kind of cool place to be, or they want to be in rural areas. They're adopting small towns again. And I think the governor thinks this too, which is why, you know, they keep promoting things like rural broadband, which would be great. Um, in order for it to really be great, you actually have to fund it and get people to actually put rural broadband in instead of just saying we support it. But um, I don't know. There's lots of connections, right? We're all in this together. Now, where are you going? Do you have a, like a route plotted out? We have, we have two, um, two potential routes, depending on how much money we have on April 1st. Um, and we're doing this, you know, primarily through savings and things like tax returns. If only the, the government knew that, you know, <laughs> the tax returns usually get used to like this. Um, we're either going to go directly south and um, then loop up across the Gulf and head out towards um, California. Um, or we're going to um, head out through western New York um, towards Chicago. Um, there's been some suggestions that um, we, we hit some of the former Route 66. Um, there's uh, also been some wonderful suggestions that we visit places like Dancing Rabbit Eco Village, which has been on our radar for years and years. I was, it is in Missouri. Yeah, and she, they've actually, I don't know if uh, the director has written a book or what she's done, but there's a new TED Talk out with um, the woman who is one of the, the leaders in Dancing Rabbit. But they're a fascinating group. You know, they were former, um, you know, I think Berkeley graduates who decided they wanted a different kind of living. So I think over a decade ago, they moved to the middle of rural Missouri and built something, and it's completely off-grid. They live on something like 10% of the average income of an American. Um, uh, they, you know, they produce zero waste, and um, those are, you know, Missouri's the kind of place that could happen. 
um, very unfortunately, <laughs> you know, like we can't live in renovated silos very easily in the hill towns because we in New York have, have substantially more regulations and code with regard to that sort of stuff. Um, renewable energy is, is becoming um, a lot easier to do, but it's still a whole lot more difficult than some of the loose regulations they have in places like Missouri. Um, but, you know, I think Jason and I are interested in what uh, the people have to say more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another option. Uh, we had some requests that we visit Taos, New Mexico, who um, they have the Earthship community out there. Uh, so they've been building these wonderful sort of zero... Um, zero waste uh, um, energy, I'd say energy efficient, but they kind of create their own energy. Um, so they're earth berm built of, you know, recycled materials. Um, and the, the leader of the transition initiative, um, one of the leaders of the transition U.S. initiative is in Northern California. So she invited us up to meet with her as well. Um, there's a group in Montana, so we're going to do a loop around, who... Um, it's the alternative energy, um, am I getting that right? Alternative renewable energy organization. And she has a number of rural communities that she's helped assist with, um, establishing renewable initiatives, which is something we're very interested in. Um, I think a lot of it's going to be sort of serendipitous too. We don't have much money, so we're boondocking in a 1976 RV, you know? Um, so we're going to kind of see what we find. And that's, that's part of the adventure. I wonder what you hope for your own family and internally its effect on your kids and your family. We, we are thrilled to be unschooling. Um, and we've done this since... So there's lots of different kinds of homeschooling these days. And I'm not doing this, believe it or not, because I'm political in every other way, right? But I'm not doing this in any sort of political way. I'm sure there's perfectly fine public and private schools out there. We love being with our kids. Um, the general story has been this wonderful opportunity to raise kids in a village. My kids know more people, I think, than I ever knew in like my entire childhood they have known in their last five years. Um, I, you know, we, we had three additional children just during our tenure um, at the Medusa General Store. Um, and unschooling is very simply um, a way of nourishing your kids' interests and letting them follow those, providing this rich, very nurturing environment um, so they can figure out, figure it out along the way, doing lots of play, lots of experimentation. We go lots of places, you know. I mean, we're getting to actually go out of the region, but we like to bring them places. So this, this kind of thing isn't new to us. It's just um, longer than we usually do. Yeah, we have a blast. <laughs> But you were in that explaining what else you hope the trip will, how it might be good, what kind of experience it will be for your kids. Well, I think in general, travel is good for kids, right? You get to meet new people. Um, living in Medusa is awesome as it is, and as many people as we considered part of our extended family for so long, um, it's also insular, you know, to some degree. You're, you're in Medusa. Um, and when we have very little ones, it was a little hard for us, especially twins. It was very, it was kind of hard for us to do an awful lot of, of long distance traveling. Um, we now have that opportunity. And I think that it's, it's a fabulous sort of thing to do with kids so that we get to um, experience new cultures to some degree. I mean, we're going to stay in the U.S., but I think that the South is very different than it is in upstate New York. Um, we're going to visit places. We have every intention of visiting national parks. I've gotten a little bit of heat for this on, on Facebook. Um, 
because yeah, people are saying, well, it's kind of a vacation. I'm like, you're damn right. It's a vacation. And it's also traveling, which I think is kind of different from a vacation, right? This is also hard work. Um, it's not easy taking um, six kids on the road, but I have pretty amazing kids. So, so we think it's just going to be amazing. Cool. And so you're looking for stories and people and models. How are you going to document or share these? Oh, this is great. Yeah, so um, we're going to do it in a couple of different ways. I'm, I love social media. I'm on, we have a Facebook page, Determined to Thrive. Um, we also have a new blog up, Rural Resiliency, at blogspot.com. Um, I'm really, really hoping that we can uh, take something along the lines of a um, video accessibility with us. We we're not very comfortable necessarily with video, um, but we have done a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a writer, so I'm going to be blogging about it the entire time. We're hoping that series of adventures ends up somehow to be compiled into a book. I don't know if it's going to be like formal, like a book book, but we want at least the strategies compiled into some sort of um, written form so that we, we can share them with our community when we get back. Um, we're really excited about this because I think that um, there aren't, like I've said, there's not a lot of models you can look up on the web. So you're blue in the face, models of urban sustainability. But if you look up rural resilience and rural sustainability, there's just not a lot out there. Um, so we want to contribute to that. I think we want to be able to say, okay, so we visited, you know, this small community in um, northern Missouri, and we figured out that, that um, you know, they're able to have um, a seed library without government intervention, which is this huge issue lately, um, and they're doing it this way, and they're actually getting a lot of participation, and people are, are um, you know, eager to plant in the spring with shared seeds. And, um, that's one example, but I think that that's important. I think people want to be able to read about other places that are making it or have good ideas that they can share. I know a lot of it is, um, you know, sort of spontaneous, so you're looking to, to learn, but do you have specific questions, too, that you feel you weren't able to, I guess, explore or answer with the general store and you'll be asking out there? I, um, I personally, and Jason has some, some other different ones, but I'm personally interested in, in figuring out if you've, they've managed to come up with ways of um, convincing people to spend their dollars in their local region and, uh, you know, this is a real, this is a hard one. I mean, it, it, at the same time, I also wholeheartedly admit that people have fewer and fewer dollars. And that is, that's asking people to do a tremendous amount to spend more of their grocery dollars, you know, say at my store when we were open, than um, at somewhere where they could find the best possible cheapest deal. That is an incredibly hard conundrum to solve. And um, I still struggle with what it means to create very vibrant rural downtowns and hamlets and villages when you realize that that people don't have a lot of money i i would love to see that when i spoke with this um usda guy our rural development guy down scary his suggestion was um listen i just want you to find these rural areas that have like villages he's like and then just go into stores and say why does your community look this great? Tell me, tell me about how you've done it. We really want to know because we're in upstate New York and, you know, we have lots of um, 145s driving through the middle of Hamlets and it's destroyed them. And like, what do we do? What have you found that's been successful? Um, I also am very interested in, um, and I have to temper this somewhat, you know, we're interested in finding out if, if people are um, addressing the issues of climate change. 
And I say that with some hesitation, knowing that our country um, seems to be moving in a more conservative direction it has been for a while with regard to things like climate change. But I know, I'm hopeful that the president's elaborate um, conversations about climate change in the last six months with, with folks has, has, has maybe had some effect and um, people are, are less likely to um, simply either you know, deny the importance of the issue or deny the, the problem altogether. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think my kids had some questions too, you know, they're, they're kind of interested in, um, you know, how it is that, that there aren't more people interested in homeschooling, for example, and um, why there are these, um, we've talked a lot about, um, in Greenville, for example, there's lots of concern about, the, about testing, um, and my kids don't really face much of that because we only test every other year starting in fourth grade for our requirements from New York State. Um, and they're interested in things like that. Um, you know, why on earth would you, would, you, would you do that if you can, you know, homeschool and do, you know, interesting things with your days all day long? So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I wanted to ask uh, where this idea actually came from. I mean, you've done a lot of ambitious things, you and your husband, but how did this develop this trip? Um, I don't know. I think it sort of evolved. I think we've been wanting to travel for several years. Um, we've been trying to figure out a way of keeping the store operating while we're gone for a month or two or, you know, so. Um, and that just, we were never able to quite swing that. So now that the store is closed and we have the, the time to do it, we thought, well, um, you know, one more way of, of, if I say giving back, it sounds so trite, but um, one more way of doing something that makes it not just us traveling, because that sounds rather presumptuous, and you know we don't really have any money too, so it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of this crazy thing to do, but um, we we want some answers. I mean, you feel like you want answers, right? I mean, this is our problem. Is like we're we felt like we worked for five whole years in Medusa trying to build something amazing. And to just close without really having the answers to, to why so many people are struggling and, and why we're not addressing some of the big questions that we ought to be addressing is, is kind of weighs on us. So, I don't know. Traveling supposed to be good for the soul, right? So we're going to see if, in addition to it being good for our soul, it's good for the soul of the hill towns. Well, thank you for speaking to me. Oh, you're welcome. I always like speaking to you. I was so thrilled when you called.